Dunlop, co-creator of Teen Brain Trust and one of the hosts of Hope Punk Parenting Podcast. This is a short-form podcast for anyone raising a teenager. Teen Brain Trust brings together a community of mental health experts, neuroscientists, educators, and parents like me in short-form audio to demystify adolescence, help you build a better relationship with your teenager, and help raise the next generation of change makers. In this special episode, we're talking with two incredible teenagers, Samantha and Kyla, about what they think all parents should know about being a teenager right now. I was lucky enough to have an open and honest conversation with them about the modern teen experience, from anxiety, social isolation and punishment, academic pressure, and so much more. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Hi, Samantha and Kyla. Thank you so much for talking with me today. It's such a pleasure to have you guys here. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks so much for having us. Um, I'm Samantha. I am 16 years old and I'm so excited to be here. I think for me, a really big passion of mine is just understanding the brain and psychology a bit better and just understanding how my brain works a bit better. And I'm also so excited to just get to share what I know with everyone. Yeah, um, I'm Kyla. I'm 16 and I run an account called Take Fight on Instagram centered around anxiety from my perspective and how I've managed to deal with it because it's a big part of my life and a big part of who I am. And my journey has been learning to accept that. Thank you guys for sharing that. Um, what's something you wish every parent knew about being a teenager right now at this moment in time? So I think a lot of parents forget that they have a, a lot more accumulated knowledge than we do. And when they look at our situations and the situations that like us as teenagers are in, um, we don't have the perspective that some adults do. Um, and it's a lot easier for a parent to make an assumption about something or make a comment about something because they have, again, like a lot more accumulated knowledge. So like we're, we're in that moment right now without all of that knowledge. We're not in control of everything that's happening around us, everything that's happening within our bodies. And we like, don't, we don't have the capacity to be at that point in time. So just taking that with a grain of salt, I guess. Yeah. I'd probably add on to that grain of salt message. I think for me, it's that even if you have a close relationship with a specific parent or guardian, there's still things that we are dealing with that we might not reveal everything about and that there's always more that we're dealing with than you think there is. And I think just keeping that in mind as a parent is really important. And so a big thing, I guess, for both of us, Kyla and I, is when um, teens want space or want privacy, it really isn't meant to be hurtful or to be targeted at the parent or anyone in particular. It's really that sometimes we need space for ourselves just to process what's going on, process our lives, process the things going on in our lives that, as Kyla said, we can't control. Yeah, that's such important information for us parents. So our ne my next kind of um, question for you guys is, it seems anxiety is everywhere um, in everyone all the time. What do you wish parents would do differently to spot anxiety? And what do you wish we parents would do when our kids feel paralyzed by anxiety? 
Yeah, I think Kyle and I have a, like a special um, position on this because we both do have anxiety. And I think for me in particular, it's that we don't always know where it's coming from. And a lot of times we don't want to feel anxious, but that is just how we're feeling. And I think a lot of times parents get concerned and they're stressed out for the child when the child has a big event coming or there's something big going on in the child's life. And I think that the most important thing is not to add additional pressure because if the parent too is also feeling anxious for something that are, is going on in our lives, I think it's really important that they take advantage of their support systems as well, just as teens have their own support systems and not sort of put that onto the teen because I think it adds an additional burden and additional piece of stress. Yeah, for sure. And in terms of like understanding anxiety and what your kid is going through, just to kind of add on to that. Um, I think that also comes with learning what anxiety looks like in your kid, because I think there's kind of like this idea that anxiety is the same in everyone. Like, oh, sometimes something is triggering and there's a panic attack, but anxiety shows up in a lot of ways other than that too. And I think being able to understand what that looks like in your child um, and asking them, and understanding that it's very individualized and then building a connection centered on that and, or, or not necessarily centered, but like related to that in terms of helping them with their anxiety. I think that would be, that's very beneficial and can help with calming them down or getting them help. All those things I think go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And also I think if the, if the parent has their own experiences with anxiety, and they sort of try to like project that onto the child, be like, I know what this is like. I've been there. That may be true. And parents have a lot more experience just simply on this earth than the teen does. But that being said, that anxiety still manifests itself in such different ways, whether you're the teen or the parent. Some anxiety things that I've noticed, I guess, in my behavior, one is like finger picking. Um, I'm always picking at my fingers, always. And I think the most frustrating thing for me is when my mom will say like, stop picking, like, stop, don't do that. Like it's, that doesn't look good. Like stop picking, you're ruining your fingers. It's like, okay, I really wish I could just stop, but it's an anxiety behavior. It's a very, like, it's a habit that's been ingrained in me because it's just kind of, I guess, a natural response at this point. So it's it's really frustrating to hear that like that's an anxiety thing it's not because I want to make my fingers bleed it's not because I want to have to wear band-aids all the time it's just something that I do and it's a habit that's been picked up and it stems from my anxiety and I think understanding that would make me feel a lot better about the fact that it's yeah. even happening in the first place yeah for me I think mine's um less physical but I really like being in control. And that's a really big part of my, how my anxiety manifests. Um, I really like knowing what happens next, what happens later. Spontaneity is really difficult for me. And I think that when um, I really want to know what's happening next and what's happening later, a lot of times both my friends and my family can sort of say, oh, just live in the moment. Just, just worry about right now. Like, Don't focus on that. And I think that's a lot easier said than done, especially for me. And I think that to have understanding of, I wish I could live in the moment, but that's really difficult for me is something that would be really appreciated for my end for sure. 
what do you think parents can say or what would be helpful? Because I heard you say what might not be helpful, which is super informative, but um, we like to kind of give parents what could be helpful. So if you were picking your your fingers, for instance, you know, what, what might be helpful um, in that instance? So I think that um, my response will be different from every other, or not every other person, but every person's response to that question, I think will be completely different. So um, the way that I would like my parents to approach that situation would maybe instead of yelling at me to stop or telling me that, you know, it doesn't look good. Like, oh, it's just stop picking and then like hitting at my fingers. I would appreciate a response. It's more like, hey, you're, you're picking, like making me aware of the fact that it's even happening because it's a subconscious habit and I want to stop. It's just, I don't even realize that I'm doing it in the first place. Me to stop say you're, you're picking your fingers. You said you wanted to break that habit and maybe, you know, stop. Are you anxious? Like, is there anything we can say? Or is it just, you know, a habit? Cause sometimes it happens when I'm anxious. Sometimes it's just like all the time. The more generalized response I would give to that question is ask your kid how they want you to respond in that situation and then go from there. What I'm, from what I'm hearing, it, it could be helpful for a parent to say, Kyla, I see you picking your fingers, you know, what's going on or how, or what, you know, what's going on for you right now, or might yeah. you be feeling anxious or so like kind of more of a question, like showing you, uh, like making you aware, like you said of it, and then maybe just following it up with kind of an open-ended question about maybe what's going on for you right now. Would yeah. Be helpful? Uh, yeah. I think, I think communication solves a lot of problems and I think that still applies to anxiety. Yeah. Um, I think for me, I can give one specific example, like traveling. Um, my family does tend to travel a lot. And for that, I really like knowing where we are because it is an unfamiliar place. And I really like knowing where we are and what we're doing next and where we're going and what we're seeing. And I think for me, a really helpful um, thing is just to have like an itinerary, I guess, put together or just like having access to a map or just having access to familiar places and familiar environments, because that makes me feel a lot better. I know you guys are both juniors and the college process and that is uh, all of that that entails is incredibly overwhelming. Um, can you give us a little insight about kind of where you are and, and how you might be managing some of that, um, anxiety? So, um, Kyla and I go to the same school and it's definitely a hyper-competitive school. And with that comes a lot of stress, especially around college process. Um, for me, college tours help me get familiar with the campus and that's been great. We also, um, have started sort of understanding what the college process is going to look like, like a bigger outline of what we are going to be doing over the summer with essays and things like that. We also are wrapping up um, standardized testing like the SAT, the ACT, um, my ACTs this weekend. So that is a definitely a stressor for me right now. Um, oh my think, goodness. Yeah. yeah. And I think the biggest thing is just knowing, um, seeing from our senior friends that at the end of the day, it's all going to work out and that it's not just about us picking the college, it's the college picking us. And I think that that just brings a bit of peace to me and feeling, yes, it's really competitive, but wherever I end up, I know that I'll make the most out of where I am. And so that's really calming for me. Um, Samantha, what do you do on those high stressful moments of anxiety to remind yourself of mm -hmm. that? And I think it's so important that you said, 
it will work out, but it's kind of hard. We know when you're in that moment. So what, what do you, is there anything that you say or that you can kind of, uh, you know, help other teens or other parents? I channel that anxiety into like being proactive, I guess, um, making plans, making lists of things that need to happen in the future, because there's always an endless stuff, uh, uh, endless list of things that need to be done. And so I have been working on it and I'm getting better at channeling that anxiety into being less of in a paralyzed state. I don't know what to do next and being more of a, this is what needs to happen. Let me take that my anxiety and start making a list of what college I want to see, start figuring out what um, I need to do to do, get a better score on my standardized test and so on. So. Yeah. Um, I think the college process for me, I started it a little later than a lot of people that I'm around, not in the sense that I'm behind, but in the sense that I haven't really started or I have started, but not, I, I guess, as in-depth as other people, like figuring out where exactly I want to go, what I want to do. Like those haven't really, that's not really been at the like forefront of what I've been thinking about. And so now it's kind of like everything is very much hitting me in the face and I'm visiting schools and I took the SAT and so it's all of this stuff that's kind of like coming in at once. And so for me, my anxiety is manifesting as a lot of what ifs. Um, what's going to happen when I go to X, Y, Z? What's going to happen if I get in here? And then what's going to happen if I get there and I don't like it? And then it's a snowball effect and I get homesick and blah, 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 blah. That's how my anxiety has been manifesting itself in terms of the college application process. What I've been doing to deal with that has been reaching out to people who have gone through that process or whether or not it was recently and getting their kind of thoughts on that. And also another thing I find very helpful is watching videos of people moving into their college dorms. That's very comforting to see people who give updates like a year later and they're like, wow, I thought I would hate this school. And I, oh, I'm so like very close with my family and it's hard to be away from them. But wow, I love it so much. Like seeing those videos really calms me down. And I turn to that and, you know, like my support systems when I feel anxious about the whole thing. You've kind of figured out what works for you. Like, and as you realize it's so individual, right? There can be so many different things that work, but you guys both really seem to have kind of dialed in on what works for you to not to be paralyzed by the anxiety because there is going to be anxiety, but it's about, you know, not, you know, helping yourself not be paralyzed by it and kind of moving forward. So that's amazing. Yeah. I think we are, we are a great example of how differently anxiety manifests and like, um, how it, how it looks for each person. Punishment. We're against it. We have a whole podcast episode about it. So we briefly talked about this already, but why do you think parents punish their kids by restricting social time? And why do you think it doesn't work? And then also, what do you think we should do instead? Um, for me, I um, I think that parents see most common traditional punishment, the punishment that they grew up with as the easiest. They have been grounded. They understand what grounding looks like. They understand that it might have worked or it might have been the answer for their parents. And so that's what they're used to. That's what's common. That's what they see their friends doing. I don't think it works. Um mainly because teens really, really need social time, specifically due to the pandemic. I think that a lot of teens are catching up on those 18 months of lost social time. And 
it shouldn't be at the cost of doing something wrong in your home. I think that there are other ways like communicating and discussing boundaries and things like that, that can work more effectively than taking away social time. And students are so busy at school and extracurriculars and everything that everyone is doing in sports and things like that, that social time is usually a highlight for the teen's week or what the teen is looking forward to. And I think that's really important for their mental health to be able to have those outlets, to be able to spend time with their support system. Like she, she said a lot of what, like I agree with and what I think, like, I feel like parents think it, it will de-incentivize their child from doing whatever they don't want their kid to do. I feel like that's like the easiest way to look at it. Like it's, they did something bad, take away something they like and they won't do it again. But I think that it doesn't work or, or from what I know, changing actions in general uh, comes from, I guess, like understanding what was done wrong in the first place and like its repercussions and where that concern for safety stems from or whatever the reason behind disliking a certain action is. Like, I think understanding why that exists, like instead of getting the answer, oh, because I said so, I feel like understanding why your parent doesn't like actually doesn't want you to do that thing makes a big difference. I'm very big on communication. And so that again, like that applies here. Like every kid will have a different response. Every parent child relationship is completely different. And so what a parent should do is entirely dependent, I think on, on the way that their dynamic is and all of that. And so communicating what is going on, like why the parent disagrees with whatever the child is doing, why the child feels like that action was okay, or why they were doing whatever that action was. I think that is where taking further action stems from. You know, what I do with my boys a lot is, um, you know, I'm like, okay, well, that was not allowed. That was not okay. Explain the why. And then also, like you were saying, both of you, the communication. So, okay what do we do? And then involve, you know, the teen, you did something, it wasn't okay. There needs to be a consequence. So like, let's discuss, you know, what is that consequence and, and, and have us collaborate on what that consequence would be. Do you guys think that that works, not doesn't work or any other pointers on that? I mean, I, I feel like it's definitely better than, than punishing with no, like, you know, punishing, taking away something your child enjoys and then not getting any sort of, I guess, a desired change to, for lack of better words. I feel like that's definitely a better place to start than just yeah. blindly punishing. Yeah. I also think that it, when you punish your kid, it's negative and it creates sort of resentment on both sides from the kid to the parent and the parent to the kid. As was said in the punishment podcast episode, Punishment is thinking about what happened in the past instead of looking to what can happen in the future. What can we do better next time? Punishment, well, the thing already happened. The event already happened. So how can we improve it? And I think punishment is focusing too much on the past and less on what we can do better. And the other thing I wanted to add was that sometimes teens really do it on, like, do it on accident. Sometimes it's really, we forgot to do something or something else um, was on our mind that day and we didn't do something we were supposed to, it really isn't out of um, rudeness or disrespect. Sometimes we just truly forget. And I think that's another, that's another side of the story. 
Yeah, no, I think you bring up such a good point. It's about, okay, so how can we work together to make sure that that action doesn't happen again in the future? And I think it's so important to be forward thinking um, as parents instead of, you know, um, just kind of dwelling on the past. A lot of parents take their teens' phones away, you know, as a punishment. I think a lot of parents do it because we know how much it means to you guys. And so we feel sometimes, or some parents feel that, you know, this is the only bargaining power that, that, you know, a parent has, but maybe you guys can speak a little bit to, um, you know, your thoughts on when parents take um, teens devices and phones away for them as a punishment. Um, I personally think that it's not effective. Um, That being said, um, I think that phones being taken away at night, especially at a younger age, makes a lot of sense. Like, for example, oh, um, 11, like at 11 o'clock, like I'm taking away your your phone. Like that makes sense to me, like especially when you're younger, I think like preteen, like 11, 12, when you are unable to sort of or just under starting to understand your own sleep schedule and beginning to regulate yourself and your time management. I think that sometimes help from parents is really beneficial. That being said, when you're older, when you have your own responsibilities, you've gained a lot of independence for your parent to say, I'm taking the phone for a day or for a week. I think that's simply unrealistic. Just to build off of what Samantha said, um, I think in the situation where like it's like a younger child and you're taking your phone away at night. I think that's also predicated on what she said at the beginning, like having that conversation and making sure that your kid understands why that's being done. Right. Like she's Samantha beautifully explained that it's to like help with time management and, and regulating sleep schedule, especially at a younger age. I think that that same thing needs to be relayed from parent to child. I think that's essential to that working. And I, I definitely agree with her. Like that seems very reasonable, um, but I think it does need to be predicated on some sort of conversation. Yeah. So I hear you guys saying that um, restricting doesn't like complete restriction doesn't work in terms of like saying, you know, you can't do this. You can't have this because they're going to figure it out and they're going to go and get secret um, accounts. And so that's, you know, the heart, maybe it might be scary for parents to think about that their child having that, but it's a conversation. And even though they're hard conversations to have, it's better to have the conversations than to just restrict it because they'll figure out a way around it. Yes, from experience, like I know there are ways around these things, and teenagers are very smart and will figure ways figure oh, out very to. smart. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you guys bring up a really important point when we as parents engage you guys in the process of, you know, why those boundaries and limits might be there, might need to be set. And then like we're a team figuring out these boundaries and limits together. And to know that you guys are, okay, you know, if, if we engage you in the process of this, the boundaries and the limits, then you might be more apt to following them versus kind of, you know, rebelling against them. One thing is that for both the teen and the adult, um, like a common phrase, I guess, for people with anxiety and dealing with panic attacks and anxiety attacks is this too shall pass. And I think that's really applicable to just arguments that teens and parents have and just overall growing up, this too shall pass. If there is a fight, if your teen is acting out, 
just remember on both sides, this too shall pass. Oh my gosh. I think that is such incredible (laughs) wisdom. Um, At Team Brain Trust, we kind of try to talk a lot about patience um, and with patience allows for empathy. A lot of wisdom from both of you guys. So thank you guys so, so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah. That was our conversation with Samantha and Kyla. By the way, we link to Kyla's Instagram in the episode description if you want to follow it. We hope you found it interesting and insightful. Visit teenbraintrust.com to learn more about parenting science, our private community of experts, and more. 